0: You're listening to Brave New Words I'm your host Ed Fortune and I'm here with I'm Ross uh, Producer Al Cy si And I'm Dal On today's show we will be talking about The Ninth Rain um, By Jen Williams Um, it's marvellous and it's in my hands right now Um, we will also be talking about books in general but mostly The Nine Train and Fantasy Uh, you can always catch the show by the by on social media we are the uh, Brave New Words Super Secret Book Club, we are at Radio Book on Twitter, if you're listening to the show please do tweet us because we need you know your friendship because we're lonely.
1: Validators, we but, treasure your friendship.
0: Uh, tell all of your friends. Invite everyone you know on social media to the super secret book club. All the rest of it, please, please, please. Uh, just you know, promote this place because we can't be bothered. Um, it's not that we can't be bothered. We just don't have a good. It's budget. not very good. It's not very good. It is. So, um, shall we have a jingle? Let's
1: have a jingle.
0: Starburst Radio, the greatest radio show in the universe. Every Wednesday, 9 pm to eleven PM. Exclusive to Fab Radio International. That was a lovely jingle.
2: A lovely jingle. Good work Al. Thanks.
0: So, um uh the ninth inn. Um shall I answer the obvious question? Yes. Do you want to ask the obvious question? So, is this a sequel to the eighth rain? No, they, right. Okay, so the ninth rain. No, it's the The ninth rain is the first book by in a new series by Jen Williams. Um, she has been raved about on the show before because she wrote the Copper Cat series, uh, which I absolutely adored. Uh, that's the Copper Promise, uh, the Iron Tide. That okay. series of books, uh, I really, really like them big proper fantasy novels with a dragon on the cover uh, this has got a raven on the cover it's a big raven it's a very big raven, very big raven. I mean to be fair I've not got much to scale it against so I, it could just be a, you know microscopic you it, it's small <laughs> far <laughs> well, away yeah
2: <laughs> it, it's like it's, you say. that's yeah. very
0: close <laughs> there's a lightning bolt next to it or something But well, it's, it's more of an eagle really it's like more of an enormous fantasy creature okay if fact. you're an ornithologist please identify this bird <laughs> Uh, actually, is now it, I know exactly what it is. Is it a
2: kestrel?
0: Nope. Because kestrels don't have feet like that. Is it
2: a
1: griffon thing? it's a griffin thing. Say, a it...
0: griffin thing. Oh.
1: Lots of griffin thing. Is that half man, half bird or something?
0: Half lion, half eel.
1: Yeah. Uh, oh, griffins—they're my favourite mythical creature. Isn't that a bit, my that a bit impractical?
0: <gasps> no, it's entirely practical because you can ride them. It's a flying creature that you can ride.
1: Mm.
3: But the thing that I'm
0: saying. Where do
1: the bits? Where do the bits? Meats like which bit of eagle do you get and which bit of lion do you it's get it's
3: got like a, a, you've basically got an eagle's head and wings and you've got a lion's body basically and legs mm. and legs
1: how many legs it's got four legs
3: four yeah. legs and wings so it's an insect right
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: it's a vertebrate, so I'm not sure yeah, yeah maybe not
0: <laughs> as opposed to a manticore where it's got a man's face uh, eagle wings and lion's body and a scorpion's tail yeah birds do have
1: that's so nice,
0: bones or something you know, so they can, Because they're less enough to fly How many yeah, yeah. of the bones of the griffin are, are hollow? Right, okay this, <laughs> this is a book podcast This is not a, crypto, a mythological cryptozoology podcast Good, because you thought it was a why? raven <laughs> 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 Well, exactly uh, I, I flunked magical creatures um, I was. I took, I took. made too many jokes about Hagrid's beard
1: If you've not yeah. got your owl level or whatever that's called
0: no, that's why I ended up doing GCSEs as well. I'm a, I'm a Hogwarts school dropout, uh, as as we all have a story.
1: Whoa, whoa, whoa! You Get your owl. <laughs> He's a squib. He's
0: a squib. So, um, anyway, that's that's really sad. Um, <laughs> the nine frame. So this sounds like we're getting back on topic. We are dangerous. The prologue. <laughs> We're trying. There, there, there's a reference to Up Pompeii, a TV show that no one's seen in several decades. Um, oh,
1: so that must be on a cable channel somewhere. Come
0: yeah, on. I've more I Do you not? The Nine by No, 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 right. You're not going to win this I really am. It's a really good book. It deserves a nice ramble. So. Uh, anyone who's read uh, her stuff before will know that she's very character based and she's very world based um, so um, where to start I think is the, the first thing so I'll start with um, the the lady Vincente de Grajon who is known as Vintage uh, which is great because I can pronounce Vintage
1: <laughs> and it's probably Vintage or
0: something isn't it, it she's, uh, basically she is a vineyard owner or she's part of a family that owns vineyard because of stuff that's happened to the world. Um this this massive vineyard has huge huge grapes because uh like massive kind of bowling ball sized grapes because the the actual land itself has suffered from invasions. So this is where I start. What what is the ninth frame? What is the eighth frame? The eighth frame This world is a world that suffers from invasions by um, these alien beings called the Duralia who rain down from the sky in their enormous behemoths. Sometimes the behemoths very excitingly crash to the planet um, and things rain out of them and these are horrible, horrible spidery things that aren't spiders and aren't anything else and they squat out insects that then grab people, hollow those people out and make them into monsters and drones. Ew. So it's a horrific invasion. Giant maggots descend from the sky, and, oh. and, and and poop kind of varnish on things, and and drown people in muck. These are horrible monsters. But these the, this hasn't happened in a very long time, and the reason it hasn't happened in a very long so, but the world's been scarred. It's been mutated by these invasions mm. because stuff gets into you know the the varnish can never be removed, and um, the, the muck can't be removed. The this this huge kind of chunks of let's be honest, alien warship. Just just in, you know, and there's like a castle growing out the side of it where people have just gone on. You know, there's, this is Behemoth there. People have build, built a huge kind of wall round the Behemoth because it's a terrifying artifact of of death. And then a hundred years later, they've gone, well, you know what? A lot of people go past this. So let's build a, a town. Let's live here. It's actually it because also, if we, yeah if we put us you know, put the the, the sun shut it get the in the other where if we put it round there we'll keep cool from ourselves Well, because of all the, the horrible muck that's come out of from this, the, the, the grapes grow really well. Hmm. So mm. you know so and so on. So people have just gotten on with their lives, but clearly there is something wrong with the world. One of the things that vintage has done is she's gone out into the world and she is a lady adventurer. And oh. in my head she's about she's probably 40s maybe a bit older I'm not sure she's definitely an older lady oh that's awesome um, she is vintage she is vintage she's, is she a good vintage she's an excellent vintage she's <laughs> fantastic and she's got she is a woman with opinions excellent um, oh. and she has uh, a bodyguard her bodyguard is called tourmaline uh, tour for short uh, the awful, the Oafless even, and Tomalin is not human. He is a race called the Aborans. The Aborans used to be this, this. They, they had this huge, huge ancient uh, wood god, uh, tree god that they would drink the sap of, and they would live for a very long time. And that meant they could spend ten years studying martial arts and fifty years studying sex, and they could have these amazing kind of lives where they were rich, involved culture. Got the proportions right at least. And exactly. They could be they could be masters of anything they wanted to. But unfortunately, after the eighth rain, their tree god died. Oh. So rather than drinking the sap, they discovered there was another way that they could steer a mortal.
3: Like the varnishy gunk. Stuff, no. human blood
2: oh, um, I wondered if you were going to say that
3: what? Uh, uh, uh. yeah so there's society's
0: kind of collapsed due to you know cannibalism um, <laughs> there's more to it than that but I don't want to spoil the book too much but there's yeah. there's more to what's going on so Tor is a kind of a young example of his race and he's a dying race so he's an interesting elf mm. In because elves are a bit boring whereas Tor is hot and cool, and grumpy, and an actual character. And his sword is called the Ninth Rain.
2: Uh, I've really just looked at the book as well and realised that it's the Ninth Rain is in, like, R-A-I-N, and I thought it was the rain is in, like, to rain over something, especially when you talk about invasion.
0: Yeah, I was thinking whether that was a pun, because I did see the, the word... As, you know, for yeah. as but I wondered whether there was a pun in the title. But
2: so is it, it, because you mean like the the horrible things rained down. they, they rain oh, down, okay, It's cool. a rain.
0: So so the eighth rain was the last big invasion. Okay, and um, the ninth rain is a sword which basically hits people from overhead. Uh, the ninth rain is there's a reason why it's called the ninth rain. It okay, is explained. Right. Okay. Um the the ninth rain is Tor's, is the name of Tor's sword. That yeah. is very true. And um, it's
3: not just calling it that because it's really
0: destructive. That would be the assumption I made at the start. and uh, probably made that name funny. and it's ironically taken on another meaning during the story. Or something. I'm, I'm, Who knows? I'm Who knows? You'll have to s- read it to find out. I'm avoiding spoilers because I really want people to read this novel. Um, yeah. There is a third significant character. So, let me explain to you the winery. This is all in the first, like, this info dump, by the way, is fairly early on. Mm. But let me explain to you the winery. So, the winery is awful. Some sometimes sometime in this world women will develop the ability to suck a life energy from the ground and turn it into fire. Winner fire it's called. Green flame. The winnery takes these women, puts them somewhere safe so they can't hurt the rest of society. Uh. Because you know, women are power dangerous. Uh. So when we first meet uh Felnoon, she is in fact Locked up in a tower for being a, a horror, and for being dangerous, dangerous, and for being told why she is, you know, and she's constantly told that she's a monster. Um, it's, it's interesting. It is interesting how the purging process that makes their souls pure is also very useful for producing one of the most popular drugs in the world. It's interesting that it's interesting how all of this is quite convenient. One of the things that's interesting about vintage is vintage absolutely hates the winery entirely however there is a, a little bit in the book where she's like I'm selfish and pragmatic so she invests in certain things that the winery do do, because she's selfish and pragmatic that it it's useful for her to put money into certain endeavours mm. um, and she, you know, she gives her ethical reason and you're like yeah, no, you are in fact just a three-dimensional person who is capable of being selfish, which is nice I like that in Heroes, I mm. like it when Heroes have their feet, in, feet of clay in front of you uh, so Noon is one of the characters, agents of the winery or people who work for the winery here are witches, fly giant bats <gasps> witches on giant bats Yes. Uh, there's a giant albino bat who's controlled by whistles Um and he's, brilliant. Oh. he's he's fuzzy as well he's all fuzzy faced he, he's all fuzzy faced and like because I'm a big fan of strolls as people who know me very well will know why I I, I love mammals and I love bats very much so um, and I just and in my head it's just an enormous stroll with his kind of little fuzzy you know, those little fuzzy noses yeah. uh, a little fuzzy was that the impersonation of a bat or an yep. impersonation of Hartley um <laughs>
2: Hartley's different. We, we are
0: impersonating bats in the. In yeah, there. good radio. <laughs> Hartley can't fly. Hartley, if you're new at the show, there <laughs> what do is you mean a... Hartley can't fly? <laughs> no, he he transports through through bookshelf to bookshelf. Yes, Hartley's silent resembles. cast member of the show. By the way, uh, he's a bunny rabbit He lives in the book somewhere and in transdimensional book space. Yep. It resembles flying if you see it. it?
2: Although, sorry, slight deviation. Um, Sky did a TV adaptation of Dragon Slayer over Christmas. The la- the last Dragon Slayer, sorry. And um, there was a bit with a flying bunny, and his ears were like little um, flippy, and his tail was like a helicopter. It was amazing.
0: <laughs> isn't that how Snoopy flies as well? Like, you know, He's yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. well, a plane and... you No, know, but when he jumps off the plane. Oh. Okay. He,
3: is, yeah. he, is, he is I was going to say when he duels the Red Baron he's definitely yeah. in a play yeah. but
2: anyway yeah so Flying Rabbits freaky and exceptionally cute um, back well, to story
0: Flying Bats <laughs> in yeah. this one so is it any good yes it yes it, it is it sounds
2: really exciting
0: Um, it's the first of a series Um, like the the, the, the last one was Um, it it's one of those like, what General Williams says really well because I had concerns about the first trilogy and the read the first trilogy, loved it to pieces loved all the differences in the characters and all the the kind of different ways they behaved and I was just like, I have a concern and my concern is will the next book be more will her next trilogy be more the same Mm. will, you know, is this it is this what she does and the answer is no, definitely not, but she does have obvious signatures, so one of her obvious signatures is this is not a D and D world where there are fantasy monsters just there. Um, fantasy creatures, amazing creatures, and amazing things exist, but everything that exists there has a reason and a logic to it. Okay. So you know, if you meet something that looks a bit like a lion and looks a bit like an eagle, there's a reason why it's there in the world. It's not just you know lol hippogriffs.
2: Hmm
0: sort of thing, so it's and you know, not having a go at J.K. Uh, Rowling's world, J.K. Rowling's world is a world that is like, lol dragons you know, dragons are just there, this mm. is part of the world just deal with it, sort of thing mm. whereas this is like, fantasy, magic and wonder and difference is rare, diversity is rare and we should hang on to it because it's precious Um and also we are stronger with it than without it mm. that's the theme of this novel diversity is a precious, precious thing that we should grasp and I don't just mean witches. And I don't just mean yeah. magic or monsters. I mean, you know, diverse cultures, diverse worlds.
2: Why are... Because um, you're saying, like, the agents of the winery are witches. So why are witches okay and was it winners why No, 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 no,
0: no, no. Uh, agents of the winery are witches that are just trusted more by the church. So there's okay. a winery... Uh, which is an organisation and they capture witches and they put them in a cage.
2: Yeah. And, oh, okay. And some witches are allowed so, to come out. And, and some witches,
0: like they have leverage over so okay. they can they can go out and do things. And mostly, they're hired. Mostly, if they're of a certain mindset, they're just like, do you have a war going on? Here is a person that can explode in the flame. <laughs> Sorry, the way you sound, made it sound earlier made it sound like they were different kinds of powers because you've got one set of women who draw power from the ground and turn it into fire and this other group fly on round on back and, and same one, don't touch s- the ground same women it's right it's the same women but they don't they touch go. the
3: ground so how do they, they they don't get power from the ground oh no they, really they jump off the button. do the thing
0: oh they take power oh. from living things
3: okay fair
0: so enough. they can take power from people as well yeah fair enough I just got a sort of impression of well if to say mm. in, in a sort of elemental fashion this one turns earth into fire this one's in the air doesn't have
3: a but yeah and the know.
0: problem is, is she'd take the power from the bat and then the bat would be weaker and plummet to the ground that'd be foolish
3: yes the, like the I'm sure the there's logic score.
0: to it I'll, I'll, I'll read the book but <laughs> you, see, you see one of the things they definitely don't do but and I'm considering it is surely it would make sense to get a bag of mice and just be like right oh no you'd kill the mice that'd be awful I don't want that yeah you don't want that
3: the bat it sounds like you're gonna kill something either way
0: a bag of fleas oh that'd be really if you could if you could focus it What's, what uh, is happening we're picking no. animals you, that we think are more expendable than others if you <clears> had specific life draining powers that would be awesome like if you were a very specific sort of vampire I totally totally nothing to do with the life now. but just totally on a tangent if you had like the power to drain the life force and choose you could go up to someone with a dangerous bacteria or virus and just go, right, I've killed all of that because I've drained its life. Pow.
1: Yeah.
0: And wipe out malaria. That'd be amazing. It would. It's Don't got nothing be, to do with it this It would but... be a
2: particularly exciting novel. Which is a nice concept.
0: I'm <laughs> it, sure... It, it would... needs a bit more for, 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 to make our novel. Mm. Yeah. But at
2: least if you did choose bacteria, you'd never run out of supply. Mm. Because there's, was, there's like... Loads of Yeah, like literally there's bacteria everywhere.
0: I was sure like, oh, a uh, zebra girl does that um she uh it's a web comic um and she's a demon so like basically what happens gone on tangent but what happens in we, zebra, we like, like tangents. what happens in zebra girl is um her friend has this ancient magic book called tommy the ancient tome, and he slams it too quickly and all the magic kind of bursts out of it oh god um, and it turns his friend sandra into a demon and she's still got a soul, so she's still her, but she now has the body of a demon, and the is demon it a zebra-like is zebra-like demon. It's a zebra-like demon. It's black and white. It has three eyes uh, and horns, but it's black and white and it has a long tail. Uh, and so she is the zebra girl of the, of the title. And one of the things we learn is that the reason that she's always core to the touch is because she's constantly draining life from the world, um, mm-hmm. and um, surface bacteria is just, just annihilated as they walk. They 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 literally demons when they walk in the world just kill lower forms of life as they walk through unconsciously Yeah. so so they sterilise as they move um, but they have to actively think when they want to kill mm. complicated living things but the you know, insects and things just die near them which is really bad for you know you have enough of them in a biosphere I and mean, it destroys the biosphere so anyway um the nine if you enjoyed it, you should read it. It will probably be out now by the time you listen to this podcast. Um, shall we talk about other of things? we have exciting things to talk about? We can do, yeah. I mean, we could talk about fantasy creatures because there's fantasy creatures in there.
2: Fantasy creatures!
0: Um, have we had a jingle yet? We had one
2: at the start. We had a jingle at the start. Let's the not show. have
0: another jingle. Uh, by the way, if you won't have a jingle on the show... Um, and we'll see what we can do because we we have a small number of jingles. But if you want one, get in touch with us at Radio Bookworm, and we can cheerfully do jingles. Um, fantasy creatures. Oh, actually, witches. Sides. Witches.
3: Should I talk about the uh, Stephen Briggs stage adaptation of Tom Cratchit's Weird Sisters? You should indeed. Yes, please. Okay. Well, in 1996. um a team of no I was about to go into an 18 <laughs> segue <laughs> then yeah. yeah yeah it wasn't going to happen um, 1996 um, Stephen Briggs um, brought to life Terry Pratchett's novel Weird Sisters on the stage Terry Pratchett uh, only sort of gave the stage license to essentially his local Amdram company um, because he's Terry Pratchett and quirky like that uh, Stephen Briggs uh, had already was already quite accomplished in that world by then. Had already written and sort of produced several plays. So yeah, he got together and he adapted Weird Sisters for the stage. Uh, it's published by Random House. Came out in 1996. Actually, it's really really good. Um, I mean, if you know Pratchett novels, you'll you'll think like that's going to be very very hard to put on stage. Yes, um, a lot of audience imagination is involved with all the adaptations but Weird Sisters I think is absolutely perfect the reason for that is it's very stagey Um, it is partially about a company of actors so we can get a bit meta there's a whole play within a play (laughs) section at the end Um, and um, it's good the whole structure of it does, does suit a play. Um, it's a take on Beth um, and also it's a great for non-Pratchett fans as well. So if you don't know Terry Pratchett and you get the opportunity to go and see this play, don't be put off by not knowing anything about it. It's it's a good, solid introduction. Um play opens with three witches on stage uh, around a, a cauldron. One of them cackles maniacally, <laughs>
1: When shall we three meet again?
3: Which Paul, the other one says, "Well, a week next Tuesday, be good. Can't do Wednesday, and babysitting for my youngest." And but I love that line. Yeah, yeah, yeah and uh, that's a really good introduction to to Granny Weatherwax, Nanny Og and young Magrat, who who are our three witches. Um you know the scene moves on and a dying soldier hands over to them a baby who is the heir to the throne with the king just having been assassinated um and the rest of the book is well sorry the rest of the play is about what the witches do about this because the new king doesn't particularly like the country that he's taken over and uh the country that he's taken over doesn't particularly like him And also he thinks the witches are interferers and tries to get them, so it's very much in their interests to sort of conflict with him. Um, So he's a bit of a Macbeth character, the difference being the witches aren't on his side, I suppose, in this. Uh, Well, there's
1: an interesting argument we had.
3: Well, (laughs) well, are they ever on his side, or are they just Mm -hmm. just a cult... Yeah, the witches in this are definitely occult forces with their own agendas. They're not particular on anyone's side but their own, and possibly the people and the land. Um, But they're 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 really down to earth characters. Um, The reason why I've been reading this is because I am in it. Uh, I'm in a new production of it uh, coming to Bolton Little Theatre, March 6th to March 11th. There's the plug. Come see it. Come see it. It's a good production. Um, How how structurally similar is
0: it to Macbeth?
3: Not that. Um, The villain, uh, Duke Falmouth, like Macbeth, can't seem to get the blood off his hands. He's constantly imagining it. And we turn this into a, a stage gaff all the way through he's increasingly distracted by the blood on his hands you know at the start he's just constantly wiping it with a hanky by the end of it he's going at it with a cheese grater you know he's um, um, his wife uh, the Duchess is very Lady Macbeth very Lady Macbeth indeed you know if you if you're an actress and you want to play Lady Macbeth but haven't had the chance the part of the Duchess will do just fine thank you very much um (laughs) And uh, so, th- th- there are there are a lot of similarities. Um, I mean, there's, there's there's other stuff going on with in Macbeth. Th- there's this whole prophecy about the trees coming closer and things mm-hmm. like that. And so he, the forest, so he, he burns the forest. So he burns the forest. And Duke Falmouth in this also burns the forest because he thinks the trees are whispering to him. And the the land wakes up. The land rebels against the new king. So all the fo- you know, the, the, there's a scene where uh, Granny Weatherwax discusses her morning to find that all the forest animals have parked themselves outside her cottage.
0: I remember that bit distinctly in the in the novel because it's like they're all there, and, and then I, I believe Danny Ogg's like, "Did it descend into bloodshed?" Very
3: shortly afterwards, it's like, "No." It's just really to stare at me. <laughs> <laughs> it was just creepy, they were all just staring at me. Yeah. Uh, so that there are a lot of similarities to Macbeth. He he does takes on Macbeth. In terms of the structure of it, um there are differences. I don't believe there's any time warps in Macbeth. Um <laughs> whereas in this one, Granny Weatherwax artificially changes time so that the little baby heir to the throne can come back as a young man. She uh, time warps through the entire kingdom of Lanka fifteen years into the future. My, my, my <laughs> so that's just... a
1: fairly powerful magic. Yeah, yeah, weatherwax, good. Yeah. Granny Weatherwax, oh, yeah, and, sure. and
3: Nanny Og. They've got to they've got to bump start the broomsticks as well, <laughs> which is quite funny. Watching watching a couple of Bolton, <laughs> but, uh, Bolton actresses in their sixties sort of r- 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 bump starting these broomsticks on stage. Talk, I mean, talking of which, this, this particular production that I'm in. Um, they're making the most of the idea that Lanka is Lancashire. Uh, oh, yes. Yes. Um, and, I not, and I think, you know, you've not seen a good granny weatherwax or Nanny Og until you've heard a Bolton actress of a certain age playing it because the dialogue really suits. Yeah. Broad really accents, suits. Very broad accents, yeah. You yeah. see,
0: when you said Macbeth has no time walks, my brain went full Rocky Horror. <laughs>
2: oh god
3: and now I kind of want to see <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: god
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> when the director was directing this the other day he kept saying now just a step to the left <laughs> no. and I, I had to really fight my urge to go I'm going to jump to the right
2: oh no but um, from a production point of view Weird Sisters has got 23 scene changes <laughs> yeah oh.
3: it does it's, yeah. It's, it's pretty complex structurally um but what I mean, the way that Stephen Briggs advises the 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 um, the, the company to do it is the way that, that we're doing it, which is mainly through uh, just lighting. Yeah, you've got you've got yeah. you've got you've got three or four different areas of the stage, which represent four broad different scenes or areas, and you have lighting states. I mean, the play within a play scene at the end is absolute chaos. It's As they always should be. As they always should yeah, yeah, be. Yeah. So what you've got is a set of people on one area of the stage who occasionally come up who are in the audience, so granny and that lot are watching the play. You've got another bit of the stage, which is on stage, and they have to sort of pretend to be watching it from the other side. You've got another bit of the stage which is backstage, and they just keep bringing up the lights in different areas, and people have to freeze while it moves about. But it it works surprisingly well. It works surprisingly well. Um, it works surprisingly well. Uh, at that point and
1: uh, a device Shakespeare's very keen on because he does it uh, he does it in Hamlet and he does it yeah, in Night's plays within plays mm.
3: yeah yeah and they're always comical yeah uh, and this one certainly is you know um, the, the sort of the actors playing the witches playing the witches if you see what I mean they're the, <laughs> the, 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 not the actual not actual Granny Weatherwax but the actors playing the witches are a funny bunch, and there's a lot of opportunity for comedy in there and overacting. It's all a bit of a pantomime, actually. The play within a play. Oh, yeah. um, I am playing various minor characters. I'm, I am various comedic guards. Uh, I am one of the witches, uh, not the witch, witches. The, the the actor witches. Oh, okay. Uh, I am a robber. There's there's one scene in Moorpark. Oh. Uh, and I, I get to mug <laughs> one of the main characters. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just. I
1: a sense that might turn out badly for you.
3: No, it turns out ah, very well. Quite, yeah. quite profitable. Yeah. quite profitable. <laughs> I, um, I mean, we don't, we don't, we don't give him what you call an actual kicking. You know, not really. <laughs> More sort of foot nudging sort of thing. Um, what other uh, Terry
0: Pratchett? Novels have been turned into place. But
3: quite a lot of them, yeah, yeah, actually. Really yeah. I, I believe there's a guard's guards. Masquerade. Um, masquerade. Um, it's probably on the inside cover of any given Terry
0: it Pratchett.
2: Like. Is. Yeah. Uh,
3: I've got a copy of the I've got a copy of the Rinse Cycle um, at home, which I haven't read all the way through. The Rinse Cycle is basically Colour of Magic, like fantastic. And one other, but I don't
1: know. This I honestly don't know how they're going to do that. Has like a wonderful pun on Rinteln's name. It, it is, it? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and also, me, the awesome. ring, the ring cycle. Yeah, but yeah, it is. Charged, it's it's, the, it's a total, total, total washing
3: machine pun. Um, I'm not. sure I mean, that's going to involve a lot of effects and imaginations. There's been a special effects in Weird Sisters as well. Um, Magrat and uh, Granny Weatherwax both throw fireballs. Ooh, which is um, how do
1: you do that on stage? Um, Flash paper. Yeah,
3: yeah. base no. Um, it's a device that goes on your hand, Um like a basically a, a ring with a thing, and you, and it just a little flame comes wow. out, and it shoots about four or five foot.
1: You've oh, got to be really careful to point one. it away
3: from. Uh, It's one shot. You've got to reload it in between each. But but yeah, but the mugger who tries to jump you when you're wearing one of those is gonna
0: know about it. I had a a risk of horrifying. I've I've played with one before, and I was. And
1: you have all your fingers. I'm stunned.
0: Someone else lost a set of clothes. (laughs) Someone else almost lost their eyebrows. But that's a different (laughs) (laughs) conversation. because it is just flash paper isn't it it's just like, it is yes yeah. yeah.
1: do, do the asterisks or something mean something uh, It's.
2: Well, I don't think this has all of them because it actually Bridge. it actually yeah. doesn't Good have grief. all of them anyway but it's weird sisters, men at arms and guards guards mort is a play, but as said, like, I work. know Masquerade is mm. a play, so I'm going to say Masquerade would work as well. Find another one, but
1: that—that that is a bibliography. It's going on for two straight pages. That's ridiculous. I uh, remember
2: oh, all of his books. Have he got, was very productive,
0: yeah, was not he yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. As we we've, as we've segued into that, shall we talk about that other production that's on its way, which is um, Good Omens? It's coming to the screen.
2: Oh yes. Yeah. Oh yeah now, is. We So had, is
3: American Gods.
0: Yeah. We had Neil Gaiman on the show for to talk about *American Gods*, and I did ask him about *Good Mm Omens*, and it was two days before the press release came out. So he was like, "I can only tell you this much," Uh, (laughs) but you you can listen to the show. It's uh, I think it's called *Old Gods and Secret Languages*, *Old Tongues*. Uh, I think it's episode three or four of the show, so you've probably listened to it already. But yeah, *Good Omens* in production of Amazon. Okay.
2: But Amazon making telly. Sorry, I have my back to the microphone. Amazon are making some good telly. Mm. Um, oh, but we've committed to Netflix. Oh, see, I've got, I've got, I've got Amazon and Netflix and Now TV, but I think we're probably not going to have Now TV forever. But no, but yet yeah, they both make really good telly. Netflix is amazing. I'm, almost, I would rather get rid of my TV license. Then get rid of Amazon on Netflix. I couldn't
0: bear to get rid of my TV license because, no, I don't because want to. of the BBC. I don't yeah. want it to survive. Though yeah, I, think I want
2: it to survive, but of all the three of them, I watch less telly than I watch oh, yeah. on-demand mm, streaming.
0: Yeah. I, I think, to be honest, the, the totally off topic of books, but the BBC license should be, the TV license should be replaced with a thing that's called the arts tax. It should be twice as much as it is, and you have to
1: pay it. Oh the uh, the arguments you, the arguments you would get because I don't
0: um, care jail for you, you yeah you, you, i think you it's art,
1: i think it's arts council funding um continually shows that most people think that they're paying too much money for the arts and it should, the contribution should be less um but if you actually look on the back of your little tax statement that you sometimes get these days the amount of your money that's actually going to fund the arts culture and spore, which they all bracket together, is oh, so geez. ludicrously low. Do you know what? You, be, don't it, yeah. you don't call it you don't call it
0: an tax task. You call it a Britishness task uh, tax, and they'll pay that.
1: Yeah, um, I, I have cheated in looking at this bibliography. Two-page bibliography of Tay Pratchett, uh, and the one which was published by Samuel French. Who are the uh, theatrical script publishers? Include Masquerade, Carpe Jugulum, and Lords and Ladies, uh, and Methuen and Drama have got interesting times, Jingo, The Fifth Elephant, The Truth, Night Watch, Monstrous Regiment, and Going Postal. And there's also reference to uh, Mort, Weird Sisters, Men at Arms, and Guards, Guards.
0: Shouldn't have good omens, actually. That would be. Well,
1: that that'd be difficult, though, wouldn't it? As well. It
0: could work. You've got, let's see, you've got... You have to be careful with the child actors. Can you not just cast them as young adults? I suppose so. Yeah, but still... Things that would happen off screen include the recruiting of the horsemen. um,
3: Oh, you could do that as a seat.
1: It depends how old old your children are supposed to be, how old they're supposed to be.
3: They're that's older primary school aren't they you
1: see you're going to have so, to you're I mean, going to be stretching a it for 16 to cover that. So, that i could do you it you could
2: do
3: it da so what you're playing
2: agent i'm Julie. a chameleon
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm, no
3: you
2: do
0: <laughs> it you, you can you do it the way you do famous five which gives you the famous, right idiom do it yeah.
2: school
1: holidays
0: because mm. they're meant to be they're, they're meant to be um, i'm
1: fairly sure theatrical licensing arrangements still apply in the school holidays
0: <laughs> but But they're meant to be like famous, the kids in Good Omens, if you've not read Good Omens, go read Good Omens. Um, The kids in Good Omens are meant to be this kind of famous five, being all comic cliche. So you just take adult actors and put them in short shorts.
2: Mm. But then, but there's actual adults in it. The only time I've ever seen that done and I've seen it done effectively, there are no adults in the play. See, like
1: Blue Remembered Hills, there's no adults in that play. The Railway Children, um, which recently closed at Kingspots Theatre, makes a fairly good fist of it. Um, In that Bobby, um, Phyllis and uh, Peter are played by adults throughout, interacting with the other characters um, as if they were the children. To to be honest, until the very last scene when they sort of step back and it's three kids in their place instead but it only happens for one scene and the way they do that to get out of the licensing is that they have teams of kids and that's the mm-hmm. way West Yorkshire Playhouse did it it was strictly boring as well because that, they, they, that's two kids in it, and they have do you three know what, teams that, that
3: would work really well because I, I, looking back to the novel I think there's only like one or two scenes where the kids actually interact with any adults an awful lot of the time it's just them in their own world
0: your father is coming Adam at, at which point you 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 make them children, yeah. because they're children. Yeah. Um, so at that point, they're children, but you keep their costumes and the things yeah.
3: they're wearing. Uh, I, I honestly think that would work really well, because I, I think it's only really at the very end when they go to the army base that they actually interact with any adult. A chunk
0: of it can two men sitting on a bench. I yeah.
2: think there's, there's lots of stage stuff that's got kids in. Mm. Like Matilda. Yeah. Mm. They rotate a lot of
3: kids yeah, through Yeah, you just rotate
1: them. They rotate them. Yeah.
3: I think it's going to be quite an acting challenge for those kids to do them justice. Though. But do you get, and we, how
1: dark is the subject material? Because you, You've got to watch for your health and well-being, your kids. And all but that but stuff. not yeah. In
3: terms of the stuff that happens to the kids and with the kids, it's not that bad. It? Okay. It's
0: um, there's a there's a sort of innocence loss, but it's mm. but their but their childlike innocence is the thing that saves them. Yeah. Mm. I think if, the bigger problem is going to be the dog. Oh no, the dog's fine do you, do you, do you, you, you do normally do. have plays with animals
2: on stage
1: you can do yeah yeah
3: yeah, yeah. Um, yeah uh, Bolt not like, looking to recruit a dog at the minute they are uh, <laughs> there's
2: bang, a job, hold there's a job application I missed.
1: breakfast first uh, Tiffany's at Todd had cat
2: okay but the, the had way had cat.
0: the way you do the introduction of dog is you just have a massive shadow of a hellhound mm. and then when a tiny yorkie comes on mm. the entire state the entire audience mm. erupts and that 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 is the gag. Yeah. So if
1: Mr. Gaiman's listening, we've given you this marvelous idea to so yeah. send, send you a piece and more. Is he?
0: he uh, so many
3: Wizard of Oz productions have, have Toto, don't they? Yeah. And an actual yeah. yeah. dog.
1: Yeah, yeah. And pantos, you occasionally get live yeah. animals, don't you? Yeah. I I worked on a Cinderella once that had Shetland ponies. Oh. Yeah. It's not
3: great the way they kept backstage, is it?
1: Not brilliant. See now, and you... it was a weird theatre space with not much backstage either. Mm-hmm.
0: See now I'm thinking of stage productions of the the Gen Williams books, and not only do I want to see a giant, giant, bat. giant flying bat on stage, <laughs> but when it comes to the copper cat, there's a there is actually a griffin in there. I believe he's got like a riding griffin. Are oh, we just going to see a pantomime griffin? I I want I want two people in a in a pantomime griffin costume.
2: Amazing.
0: <laughs> I, I want that in the in that that kind of you know that panto way where you've got your like your legs. Working the, the legs of it Bernie like Winters style. Oh, gotcha, <laughs> that's <a laughs> yeah, that would work really well.
3: <laughs> with, with wings the, we do with, with wings wings really lanky like, kind of like.
0: Well, you can have like you can have um what they're called uh stilts on as well, and yes, yeah. I mean, I can't because I am about coordinated as a dead seagull. <laughs> uh, but, which is don't, why, don't, don't overestimate your talents, then, of <laughs> Which is why I'm not allowed to do Tauntaun cosplay because I really would love to do Tauntaun cosplay as a guy, on, a guy on a Tauntaun from Star Wars. No. Um with you know, producer, sure I won't let you. <laughs> well, well, that's because I'd find some stairs, and then that would be the end of me. Because um, <laughs> I'd get very, very excited as well, and it would just go hot. It would wrong. go Bernie Williams again. <laughs> we'll be at Edgley Lit in is it June, July? July, July. we'll be in edge Lit in July um, we will also, myself and producer Al and possibly other members of the team will be at Worldcon 75 you might be able to find us at EasterCon uh, we will be doing some show stuff at EasterCon so that's all terribly exciting um, there's probably other things as well but I've forgotten most of it <laughs> so shall we run away? yes Okay. December.
2: Bye!
0: Bye! Bye. Bye.